This episode is brought to you by ABC. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere tonight at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Donald Trump, the one and only wannabe dictator, faces the man, the myth, the legend, Jack Smith, in a Miami federal courthouse this week for his arrest, processing, booking, and arraignment where in a few good men, Demi Moore fashion, he pled absolutely strenuously pleading not guilty. As his lackey and professional bootlicker and body man, Walt Nauta, stayed at his side for his own attempted arraignment. What happened at the arraignment? And what are the conditions of release? Now that he's been arrested, why did the federal magistrate on duty push the Department of Justice to add no witness contact to the restrictions on Trump? Why wasn't Nauta arraigned? And why does he get to continue to work for and talk to Trump every day going forward? And what happens next in terms of the trial judge Eileen Cannon, the motion practice, defenses raised, and eventual speedy trial setting? And while Jack Smith stared a hole into Trump's head in the courtroom, the rest of his team of merry prosecutors continue to take compelled testimony at the Jan 6 election interference grand jury in Washington, first from Pence, moving on to Bannon, and now from two fake electors from Nevada as the wheels of justice roll towards at least a second Trump federal indictment. And finally, on the same day as Trump's arraignment and phony rallies, Judge Kaplan of the Southern District, presiding over the E. Jean Carroll new defamation case against Trump, issued a very real order allowing the new case based on Trump's CNN defamation of her to go forward, while the U.S. got another month or so to get its act together and decide whether it's going to intervene on behalf of Trump and take him out of the case and assert governmental immunity, or they're not. All this and so much more on the midweek edition of Legal AF only on the Midas Touch Network with your co-anchors, Michael Popak and Karen Friedman at Niffalo in the same city, in the same time zone. We got a lot to talk about, starting with the twice indicted, but only once elected Donald Trump. Karen, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm doing really great. I want to get your visceral, before we get into the nitty gritty of the tick-tock of what happened during the arraignment and after and the orders that have been posted, which we're going to do, because that's why people come to this show. What was your visceral reaction, both as a prosecutor, former prosecutor, and as a human being, to what happened inside the courtroom, outside the courtroom, after the courtroom, and all of that? I want to get kind of get your initial, your initial gut instincts. Yeah, so I was struck by how differently he's being treated than everybody else, but not in the way that he complains and not in the way he says. So anybody else who is charged with the types of charges that he is facing, right? Possessing national defense information, carelessly waving it around to people, showing it off, carelessly leaving it wherever he wants in unsecure locations at Mar-a-Lago, on the, on the stage where, where thousands of people came in and out in the bathroom, you know, that, that was also around areas that people could come in and out. And, you know, just 
that boxes had fallen on the floor, that that top secret material had had fallen out. I mean, just that's that could be our nuclear codes right there for all we know. Like that is disgraceful how he kept those those documents. And frankly, in at Bedminster in New Jersey, you know, that he was bragging about them, waving it around and showing people uh, documents that were top secret and saying, I know I shouldn't be doing this, right? So anybody else who did that and then obstructed the Department of Justice and the FBI's attempt to get those documents back, they asked over and over again for them. When they subpoenaed them, he, Donald Trump had Walt Nata move the boxes out and move them back and move them around so they wouldn't be found. And then he tells his lawyer, Evan Corcoran, that's also in the indictment, he tells his lawyer, Evan Corcoran, to go through just some of the boxes, because he'd already moved some of them out, see what's in there. And if there's anything bad in there, he makes a plucking motion with his hand and says, just, you know, pluck pluck them out, like get rid of them, you know, kind of like, you know, like, like be my co-conspirator, you know, with the, with the attorney. P.S. That's why, that's why we know about all of this, because uh, that's exactly why it pierced the attorney client privilege into the crime fraud exception, because it is a crime to hide, to take out things, evidence that you're not supposed to have and uh, top secret information. You know, the, the, that's basically, that's basically, um, um, you know, that's the crime right there, right? That's the evidence of the crime, those documents. And to try to hide that from law enforcement, that's outrageous, absolutely outrageous. Anyone else who did that, and then on top of that, lied or caused to be lied to the FBI, anybody else, not only would be held in on bail, they'd have their passport taken from them, they'd have travel restrictions, and they'd be in jail. Do you remember Popak, that young kid in, I think it was Virginia, his last name is Teixeira. He was the guy who uh, had, who worked in, um, he worked in the government and had access to some, to some national security documents. Yeah, he was a National Guard intelligence officer. Exactly, and so yeah. he, you know, what was he doing? He got that information, that top secret information, and in gaming platform, he wanted to brag and show off to his friends. Sound familiar? That's what Donald Trump was doing. Guess where he is right now? Guess where defendant Teixeira is right now? He is incarcerated. He is not out free to go and do whatever he wants. Because why? Because that is so dangerous and so terrible. And that's how any person who did this would be treated. You know, we're defense attorneys now. We represent people. I mean, I can't imagine if I had a client who wasn't named Donald Trump who did this, I would be very nervous. I'd be preparing them to have to go in. I would have to be putting together a bail package, hoping to convince the court to allow this client, my client out on a bail package. There is no way this would have been the word everyone's using is perfunctory. There's nothing perfunctory about a criminal arraignment, especially in charges this serious. So to call it perfunctory and just, you know, kind of ministerial really just shows how Donald Trump is being treated differently than absolutely everyone else that that is what struck me here he so let me ask the so let me ask the question um because we're going to report on it magistrate goodman was the duty magistrate for the day he even pushed the department of justice to add special conditions that even they weren't asking for so let's assume you're absolutely right 
The government was prepared to let Donald Trump released on his own recognizance, not put up a bond, not put up a bail, not surrender his passport, certainly not pretrial detention, given the Given the the way the uh, the federal rule works, I wasn't surprised by that. But I was surprised by the lack of request by the government uh, uh, for special conditions on his on his walking out the front door, having been arrested. Why do you think then, as a former prosecutor, why do you think uh, Jack Smith, um, uh, the lead prosecutor David Harbach, Jay Brat, Julie Edelstein, all for the government? This is obviously not a mistake. They weren't caught flat-footed. This was a decision that they made. Why do you think they did it? Well, I don't want you to gloss over what you just said about, you know, given the pretrial detention laws, you, you're not surprised by this because given them, I am surprised by it, right? The pretrial, the, the, the Bail Reform Act, you know, and, and basically essentially says that you take into consideration risk of flight and risk of dangerousness. Now, I agree there probably is no risk of flight here, right? He's pretty easy to find. Um, but dangerousness, I mean, first of all, he's got one other open indictment. He's got this open indi- indictment now. He's got two more. And and what what dangerousness is there? The guy will will bully people. He will commit further crimes. He will... Um, you know, potentially call for violence, you know, and protests. Like, I, I just think he, he is dangerous. And I, I, but, but to answer your question, why didn't they do it? They can't, they can't do it because he's running for president and he has a right to run, you know, it, it would just be, it would be an absolute, uh, an absolute, um, I, I don't even know the word for it. It's just there's no way you could justify somebody. He there, he has a, a right to run for president. He is likely the um, the front runner, and there is just no way you could put any restrictions on his right to run for office. And by incarcerating him, it would interfere with his right to run for office. And it would be seen obviously as, as interfering would actually be interfering with an election. And so frankly, the reason the department of justice didn't do it is because they, they can't, uh, they can't. And I'm sure that's why Donald Trump wanted to run for office and said he was running for office because he knows that it insulates him. It totally insulates him. I mean, if they don't get this case to trial before the general election, then they can't try it. And while he's president, you can't try it if he's president or if another Republican wins, you know, they might pardon him or, you know, they could also just, you know, if he wins and he becomes president, he can just pull the case. He can tell his attorney general to pull the case. There's an open question about whether he can pardon himself. But, you know, it's it's either this case, you know, obviously, if a Democrat wins, hopefully, you know, then then the case can proceed and it can go forward. But, you know, if. But, but it would have to be put on pause during the time that's considered the general election. Now, when does the general election start? And most people would say probably right after the primary and um, that when, if he becomes the nominee, that's that's the election time, right? That's when he's going to be running. And so that this has to go quickly. And so, you know, Letitia James, who's the uh, attorney general in the state of New York, you know, her, her civil trial was supposed to go in October. And, um, and she made a statement yesterday that likely her case and Alvin Bragg's case and even Fonnie Willis's case is going to now have to be put on hold for this case, because this case has to go uh, quickly. The only thing that I could see making, pushing this case out 
other than Donald Trump, you know, winning the lot, winning the judge lotto by getting Eileen Cannon assigned to this case, uh, because you know I think she might help try to help him uh, push this out and not actually get uh, a quick trial, knowing that uh, knowing the things I just said, right? That that there's a chance he would have no trial. Um, would be if if there are other charges brought by Jack Smith and the Jan Six uh, election interference case. So, I'm hoping that that Jack Smith does that quickly. And um, but I think one of those two cases will go first before Alvin Bragg's case or if Fannie Willis goes um, indicts in August. But that's the unfortunate mm-hmm. thing, and everybody's waited so long is, you know, all of these cases should have been brought years ago, frankly, and everybody waited too long. And so now here we are. And um, I think there's a real chance that if we don't go very, if someone doesn't go very quickly, it won't happen at all. Well, Jack Smith's gone very quickly. He's only, you know, the events that happened with, with Donald Trump culminated in a search warrant. And it was less than a year ago. It was August. He's been in, he's been in office for seven months. And he's brought the indictment in a courtroom, so I don't think anybody can fault. Um, no, I agree that Jack Smith, ja- on, yeah, on Jack, Jack Smith. has gone quickly for yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, but, but you the, know, did the Department of Justice go quickly? Yeah. That's and, and your point. old off and your old office went a little slow in bringing yep. Stormy I, Daniels I from, from seven years ago. By the way, but, everyone's gone slow. Yeah, well, not everybody. I don't think Jack Smith has, and I don't think Fawny has either. She had a seven-month special purpose grand jury that led to. Um, her march. She's now continuing to develop her case, and she's getting continued cooperation. And sounds like she's going to go in for a, a very uh, sweeping indictment at the end of August. Whether all these things line up, or the federal government, federal prosecution can bigfoot all the cases and go first because of speedy trial concerns, which is generally seventy days. Which of course is going to be waived because nobody's going to be ready in seventy days. Um, I mean, look, if you look at the pretrial detention and the Department of Justice manual, I wasn't surprised by personal recognizance release. Um, I wasn't surprised by not having him be detained in a federal detention center while he's a candidate for, for for the highest office of the land. You know my thoughts on that. He'll never win. But I think, you know, putting him away, given the crimes that have been alleged and even his past recidivism, he's not convicted yet of any of these things. And I think Goodman was right on that. I think the government should have been prepared to ask for some special conditions and Goodman, as the magistrate judge, would have granted them. He even pushed, the reporting from the room is that Goodman pushed the government like, don't you want anything? Um, I mean, what about witness discussions? And so they finally came up really at, at Magistrate Goodman's urging to have a special condition, which we'll end up putting up on the screen, a special condition of the bond release, uh, of the terms of the release, which says that Trump can't have contact with a list of witnesses that will be identified by the government, by the government's lawyers, including Walt Nauta standing right next to him while, while he was attempted to be arraigned, but that was unsuccessful. We'll tell you why in a minute. But that is almost impossible to enforce for the government, and they know it because... Walt Nauta continues to be the body man, valet, butler, whatever you want to call it, for Donald Trump, even as they left the courthouse to go to this this Cuban restaurant that I know well on Calle Ocho in Miami, Versailles. Um, you know, a guy was standing right next to him, leading him in, and uh, they're going to be talking all day. There is nobody with better physical proximity within an inch of Donald Trump than the body man, Walt Nauta. And it just sets up a really odd bedfellows where Walt Nauta, 
gets to uh, continue to have his job, but but Magistrate Goodman set a condition that they can't talk about the case at all except through lawyers. We know that's going to be, we know that's been violated on the way out of that courtroom that's been violated. The other interesting thing is that I heard in the from the reporting from the courtroom is that Todd Blanche, the New York lawyer, criminal defense lawyer who's representing Donald Trump now in two places, one in the 34 count criminal indictment uh, that the Karen, your old office brought against him uh, on the Stormy Daniels affair and cover up, uh, is now handling the case lead trial lawyer for him down in Florida with a local counsel, you know, flavor of the week. Right now it's Chris Keiss. It could be somebody else. But he made a statement in court, which nobody has really picked up on, but I'm going to report it here, which is he said that Evan Corcoran would be included in the list of people that Donald Trump can't talk to because he's he would be a witness. And Blanche argued to the magistrate that Corcoran is still a lawyer for Donald Trump. I mean, all the reporting that we understand is that after... After Evan Corcoran testified to the grand jury, turned over his 50 pages of notes, his audio tape, and will ultimately be, if not the lead witness against Donald Trump at trial in person when he gets brought in the door and the government says, our next witness is Evan Corcoran, M. Evan Corcoran, and please take the stand. The fact that he's still uh, being represented in, in, a, in a courtroom by, a, by a, an officer of the court, Todd Blanche, as being still the lawyer for Donald Trump, we got to get to the bottom of that. Uh, and I think the government is going to, if that's true, I think the government will try to move to disqualify him from continuing to be a, a witness, uh, a lawyer, because he's going to be a lead witness against his own his own client. So well, what, I, what I suspect is the mm -hmm. reason he said that is because they're going to relitigate Beryl Howell's uh, uh, ruling that the attorney-client privilege has been pierced, and it's a crime fraud exception. And one of the one, you know, this is not the only factor, but one factor they're going to say he's still he's still his lawyer. There's you know there's still like you know that he didn't never severed ties with him kind of thing. You know, it's, again, it's just one more example they'll they'll try to use uh, to try to relitigate. Well, I don't know how. Yeah, I don't know how they do. Yeah, I, they can try that, but the, but they got a ruling from the grand jury judge that supervises all things grand jury, and they either appealed it and failed, or they didn't appeal it. And I think they've waived any argument, continued argument post indictment. But you know, I, you're right; they're going to try. Listen, we we know they're going to they're going to try everything they can to try to delay this to move against the indictment. But I want to give some people. I don't want this to be doom and gloom because I don't have a doom and gloom from yesterday. I'm actually quite uplifted about our Justice Department. We can nitpick about, you know, that could he could he have had one more condition of his release and all of that. Yes. However, he is now in the federal process. It will move with great speed compared to the other places where he's being uh, has been indicted or could be indicted. Um, and and, you know, we the, the we're going to jump from that bridge when we get to it related to Eileen Cannon, because the issue of whether she's going to be uh, recuse herself or be disqualified, that can was kicked down the road for another day because she did not handle. She yes, she entered some orders on the docket. Uh, related to some ministerial things, but she, we, she, there hasn't been an appearance in front of her yet. And right before that, you're either going to see the government move to disqualify her to have her removed, or she's going to remove herself. But I don't think the government's going to do what they did. Um, they've learned their lesson, I would believe, from what happened when Trump sued the government and tried to stop the criminal investigation and the, after Mar-a-Lago's search warrant was executed and got into her courtroom because both of her orders, they waited to see how what she was going to do there. And as she got increasingly 
more stupid in her decision making. Then they took her up on appeal twice to the 11th Circuit and won both times. I don't think they're going to give her the benefit of the doubt. I think they're going to move relatively quickly. What do you think about that? I don't think they're going to move to recuse her um, until she does something. Because, you know, this is already being criticized by Donald Trump as being a, you know, biased prosecution. And I think it, you have to make a, a political calculation, not just a legal one. And I, I think it, it could be, I think there's a chance that uh, Jack Smith will just say, you know what, I'm not going to move to recuse her. I, I, like, I, I think that I, I just don't think until she shows bias in this case, uh, I don't think she, I don't think they will um, move to recuse her just because of the prior matter. I think they're going to wait and see. That's just my feeling. And I certainly don't think she's going to recuse herself. I mean, why would she, right? Why would she ever, you know, it would be like almost like an admission that she's biased and not competent. I, I think she's, there's no way she will recuse herself. Uh, in, you know, I, there's going to be an issue about whether, where this case is done, right? Because she sits in Fort Pierce, I believe, Florida, and can, can that small courtroom handle security? Will this have to be done in Miami? If so, will she want to travel to Miami? I mean, that's the kind of out if she wants to recuse herself, maybe she'll do. But I don't think she's ever going to say, oh, yes, I'm, I, I admit right. it, I'm, I'm incompetent or yeah. I'm biased. But I just want to say one thing about what you said about um, about, you know, that about the statements that the crime fraud exception, mm-hmm. um, you know, Beryl Howell ruled that the attorney client privilege was pierced for the crime fraud exception in the context of the uh, of, of the grand jury, essentially. Right. And I agree with you completely that that because that was not appealed and, and because that was um you know, upheld by that judge, you know, in, in that particular case, there, there won't be, there won't be a, um, any problem with the grand jury. In other words, you know, that, that's settled, that's done, but that ruling doesn't necessarily carry over to the trial, right? There's going to be a separate ruling. It's not like law of the case. That was just with respect to that piece of the investigation. Now there's an indictment and then there's going to be a trial. And so I think, I think Donald Trump is going to relitigate that issue as to whether that evidence comes in at trial. And that's what makes me nervous about Eileen Cannon. I think she, yeah, listen, so um, why don't we do this? Because this is, this is really interesting. And you and I, See eye to eye on almost everything. This one a little bit different. I got a different view about Eileen Cannon and what's going to happen at the 11th Circuit ultimately with a Department of Justice that may or may not be that patient about her having already done the uh, uh, Cannon one and seeing the result there. But let's let's first uh, go to a word from our sponsors and then we'll come right back and pick up where we left off about all things Donald Trump and his arraignment. This podcast is sponsored by Miracle Made Sheets. Whether you want to get more fit, be a better parent, or get more done at work, there is one thing that will help, and that's better sleep. With Miracle Made Sheets, you can tap into the power of self-cooling temperature regulation, which has been shown to improve deep sleep quality by over 20%. Using silver-infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle Made Sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So you get better sleep every night. 
These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Clean sheets mean less bacteria to clog your pores and fewer breakouts and other skin problems. Go to trymiracle.com slash legalaf to try Miracle-Made Sheets today. And with Mother's and Father's Day right around the corner, this is the perfect way to give someone you love the gift of better and more luxurious sleep. Save over 40% and be sure to use our promo code LEGALAF at checkout to save even more and get three free towels. Miracle is so confident in their product, they backed it with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash LegalAF and use the code LegalAF to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash LegalAF to treat yourself. Thanks again to Miracle Made for sponsoring this episode. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Lomi. Now, I've never been able to compost before. It was always too complicated, too much work, and frankly, I don't think I even knew exactly if I was doing it right. Then I got a Lomi. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with just the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. There's no smell when it runs, and it's really quiet. Thanks to Lomi, I have way less garbage each week. My family, we're down from three bags per week to just one. And here's something pretty cool. My wife, she recently started gardening, and we've been able to use the dirt that Lomi produces to help fill the garden. And since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. I feel so great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of waste. And I have basically a limitless supply of dirt for my garden. The other week I had my in-laws over for dinner and the food cleanup process was such a breeze. Plus they all think I'm super eco-conscious now. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash LegalAF and use the promo code LegalAF to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to lomi.com slash LegalAF and use promo code LegalAF at checkout. Food waste is gross. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can. And now back to the video. Well, we're back. So look, I I think you're right. They're going to try this tact of using the attorney-client privilege decision by Beryl Howell and Jeb Boesberg, the chief judges of the D.C. Circuit Court that supervised the grand jury that took this testimony. Um, and but you know he waived, didn't he? Either appealed and it was it was shot down, Trump, or he waived his appeal, and the Supreme Court didn't want to touch it with a ten foot pole. I think the Eleventh Circuit and Chief Judge Pryor, if he gets this case again, will say, I, I, Cannon, I don't know what you're doing again. Um, th- this was already litigated this issue. And you don't get to do it all over again just because you're a new judge now in a trial setting post-indictment. If the evidence was used appropriately at the, at the grand jury process level and it led to the ultimate indictment, then, then we're sort of beyond that. Let's move on and talk about you know what other, what, other, what other grand jury problems may have existed once they get the transcript and everything is released. 
but we'll but we'll see. Look, I uh, you know we don't have a completely perfect crystal ball at all, even with our own years of experience in in, in a courtroom just like this one. Um, I just don't think that the the government the prosecutors are going to sit idly by and let her f this up again. Um, and and as to Cannon, I don't know. She got slapped pretty hard by the Eleventh Circuit, not once but twice, and in scathing language. That if anybody wants to go back and reread it, you'll see. I mean, I've I've seen a lot of appellate courts excoriate trial trial judges, but not quite at this level, about how wrong she was fundamentally about all things criminal procedure and the role of a trial court. In, and that was two uh, Trump judges. Yeah, two those of the were three judges yeah, were Trump appointees. Right. And Pryor um is a Republican anyway. So it was really like three for three. Um there were two separate panels. One of them had a couple of more Democratic appointments on it. So that's where we are um on that. A couple of things that I picked up from the courtroom that were interesting, and, and then we can put up on the board here for those that watch our audience that watch us, is that we we've talked at length about the fact that he was under arrest. For those people are in your life who said he wasn't arrested. There were no handcuffs. He's arrested. The docket, actually, the electronic docket for the case says in more than one place, Donald Trump arrested. So that that's how that's how it happens. You turn yourself in, you self-surrender. Uh, but he was in custody, processed, booked, no handcuffs. He had a Secret Service detail next to him in the federal marshals and probation. But he was given the same questionnaires and the same information. He was a defendant, a criminal defendant in every way, shape and form, came into the courtroom a few minutes before the magistrate judge who came in a few minutes late, just a little bit of a, a, a power a power flex by the federal magistrate because he gets to sit at the top shelf of the of the bench wearing the black robe with the with the American flag, the real American flags behind him, not a phony set at Bedminster or Mar-a-Lago. And um, as the duty judge that day, that short straw went to Judge Goodman, who joked when he tried to do the arraignment of Walt Nauta, but couldn't because Walt, Walt Nauta's um, Maryland lawyer didn't have time or couldn't find a local Southern District of Florida lawyer to be his local counsel. Therefore, the arraignment of Walt Nauta was postponed until the 27th of June, to which Goodman joked, but it won't be me, and then laughed and got off the bench. Um, because that was really his role. I mean, he was the guy in the courtroom that day for, you know, oh, who's coming in? Oh, yeah, Donald Trump defended. Okay, bring him in. Uh, in terms of the um, back and forth between the lawyers, the lawyers who identified themselves as the lead counsel for the government are David Harbach, Harbach Jay Bratt, who's the chief counterintelligence attorney and also sort of a witness in this case because he met with Evan Corcoran um, in June, right before the execution of the search warrant, and was lied to by Evan Corcoran and Christina Bob about the um, due diligence search that they said that they did locating documents before they had to execute the search warrant. And Julie Edelstein, that seems to be the trial team. Jack Smith, of course, sat in the room glaring <laughs> Donald Trump, who was at his hands folded and, and, and hunched back and not very happy to be there. And then after that, you start getting orders flying out just like any other garden variety criminal defendant in federal court. So the two orders that have already been issued by the magistrate judge, uh, one of them has to do with the conditions of bond, the standard conditions of bond. And something that hasn't really been reported is it's not just the special condition on the last page that was typed in that says that Donald Trump can't have contact with witnesses identified by the federal government, by the prosecutors, and except 
um, about things not related to the case and only then through, if it's about the case, only through his counsel. But earlier, under the regular conditions, he has a restriction on leaving the Southern District of Florida. That, that, that was not X'd out. He may not travel outside the Southern District of Florida, which is um, uh, Palm Beach, uh, Broward, and Dade County, and Monroe County, without permission of the court, unless approval by the court. So every time now he goes on a rally or he leaves the state or goes to New Jersey, like this one he just did, he has to like get permission. No, that has to be that has to be a typo. There's no way that's actually true. It's not. It's not crossed out. We have it well, on the screen. Did you look at it? You know what? I didn't see it, but Uh, they would have reported that as a condition. There's no way that's an actual condition. That had to be a mistake, don't you think? No, because uh, the bond—I mean, the bond order was posted, and it doesn't say—and it doesn't say it doesn't apply unless you skip from one to unless you skip from one to five. He didn't number the special condition number two. He numbered the bond condition related to travel as number two. By the way, that's if that's true, (laughs) everybody has missed that, but you. That's fascinating. Well, it's posted. And I mean, I haven't seen that, anybody say it didn't happen. That's big news, right? Because he's traveling all over well, the place. We'll, we'll find out. I mean, you know, maybe maybe we'll see an amended bond order. Uh, you know, I, I'm so sanguine about these things. Like, uh, But uh, we are reporting what, what is posted on, on, on the docket. So we have that. And then as to the, uh, and then on the last page of the bond, you have Donald Trump's signature as a criminal defendant with his little Sharpie pen and his little seismic graph uh, signature there, a little serial killer signature there. Um, and his lawyers listed and his lawyers listed as um, uh, Todd Blanche and Chris Keis. Chris Keis has already been warned, along with all the other local counsel, that local counsel can't just be local counsel. They have to be prepared at any given moment to argue the case and argue a motion or have their um, their, their, their their co-counsel's pro hoc vice admission um status revoked. So, you know, Eileen Cannon signed that order. So look, that's that's where we're at. We've got um, a minute order that was also posted by Judge Goodman that listed, you know, all the things we thought. The government has an obligation under a body of case law called Brady to provide Brady material to the other side. The government said that they would provide the Brady material. The government said that they would provide the fact witness list. That, that's when Blanche raised the issue of, well, what about Corcoran? Corcoran's still his counsel, which I've never seen anywhere else that Corcoran is still his counsel. And that's going to have to be an issue now that the uh, now the prosecutors are back in their offices in D.C. They're going to have to say, well, what was that? And they're going to have to think about what motion practice they're going to have to do. Well, one other thing they're going to have to think that. about, too, about sure. the witness list is think about it. They have to the judge says, you know, OK, you have to give us a list of people he can't have contact with give us your witness list. That means everyone's going to know who the witnesses are. What if some of them are are protect like, you know, they're going to have to get protective orders for some of them if they're unknown, if there's people who are cooperating. I mean, normally you wouldn't give your witness list over this early. So that's one tricky tricky part of this. I just wonder if we'll see some protective orders requests happening so that they don't have to reveal the identities of some of the witnesses because no contact with witnesses that's not really the issue, right? He doesn't contact people. What he does is he bullies them by doxing them in the, you know, in the in the world, right? He like like the the mother daughter, you know, duo who of the the election workers. Look what he did to them. He didn't contact them. He just ruined their life, right? So I that's going to be an interesting 
question of how Jack Smith and his team navigates that part. Because if they reveal the witness list, Donald Trump will be like, oh, I have no problem not contacting these people. But then he'll publicly shame them till the end of time and try to intimidate them not to testify. I think you're right. I think I think that'll go hand in glove with a request by the government to protect these people based on just as we've seen the state prosecutors stand up, the Manhattan DA stand up and list the parade of horribles of Donald Trump in action, including on his way out of the courtroom just this last time, like he did in the last arraignment, bashing the prosecutor, the judge, the judge's family, the jury process, you know, and all of that. Yeah, I think you're right. He's going to have to do that. But look, that's not the only thing that was going on that day. We have two other stories that we want to quickly talk about today. Was there an adjourned date on, on, on the that same case, day. by the way? Um, we know no. We have, we, to wait, have so we, have to, we have to wait for the transcripts to, to get. We have okay. to, yeah, we have to wait for that. But at the same time, you know, just showing you that, that, um, that Jack Smith can walk and chew gum at the same time. He's got other grand juries that are in process. And another group of his prosecutors were continuing to develop testimony and compel testimony before grand juries in the District of Columbia related to the heart of the matter, which is the election interference um, and the Jan 6th uh, insurrection and Donald Trump's role in all of that in stopping the peaceful transfer of power and the attack on the cradle of our democracy in Washington. And and who is now brought in? Well, come on down a couple of fake electors, senior officials for the Nevada uh, GOP, Nevada Republican Party, Michael McDonald, if you're a music fan, not that Michael McDonald, um, a real Trumper. And we'll talk about what his involvement is that we know from the Jan 6 committee, uh, still paying dividends there, GOP chairman in Nevada, and his vice chairman, uh, Jim, and I'm going to butcher his last name, and all the Nevada people are going to tell me how to do it. But it looks to me like De Graffernreed. To Graffin Reed. And those two gentlemen um, had to come down and testify to the grand jury um, just yesterday. The same grand jury where Mike Pence testified, uh, uh, Chris uh, Krebs, or things related to Chris Krebs, went before. Bannon's been subpoenaed. Now, let's talk about Michael McDonald for a minute and where, and where we think we're going with that. So in that particular case, um, there is evidence developed by the Jan 6 committee that, that McDonald was supremely close with Donald Trump. In fact, the decision to interfere with the election was at least a month before the election. Let me repeat that. Before there was even an election, Donald Trump and his henchmen were ready to attack the legitimacy of the election and try to throw and steal the election in favor of Donald Trump. And he, and he enlisted people in that scheme, that conspiracy, like the Republican leaders in these states that were favorable to him. So there is a documented phone call on the 14th of December, right? So after the election, but before certification. Listen to this group of people, Karen. Trump, Eric Trump. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I got, let me read my notes again. Trump, Don Jr., Meadows, Giuliani, and Michael McDonald. And the conversation was, we need to have these other alternate electors and let's get that all together on a phone call that was recorded and has been documented by the Jan 6 committee. The cell phone records have been grabbed by Michael McDonald, who gave the Jan 6 committee 500 versions of the Fifth Amendment when, when he was asked to testify there. But that is a documented fact. Trump, Eric, uh, Don Jr., Meadows, Giuliani, I'm sure, I'm sure now uh, we know Meadows is cooperative with the government, will testify to that. And let's come up with fake electors. And then from there, they then decided to try to co-opt and get the Secretary of State of Nevada 
um, Barbara uh, Sagafsky to join in their plot to overthrow the government, overthrow the country. She wouldn't do it. And she ultimately, even though she was Republican, and she ultimately certified the election in favor of Joe Biden. And you put that in his column for the electoral uh, tally. But that group went up to Carson City in Nevada and signed these fake elector certificates. And and just like we saw in Michigan, and just like we saw in Georgia, tried to submit them through the National Archive to gum up the works. So that guy and the other chair, vice chairman of the Republican Party of Nevada currently, they haven't even been removed from their positions because MAGA thinks they're fine. And so, but they're now testifying before the grand jury. Now, whether the interesting question is, I haven't seen the reporting. If they haven't been given an immunity, I would assume they're going to take the Fifth Amendment unless there's been an immunity deal. Have you seen anything about an immunity deal for those two? I have not. I have not. So, It'll be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So either they're going to get compelled testimony or they're going to bop out to Jeb Boesberg, who's the uh, chief judge for all things grand jury at present. And, uh, you know, he'll do the same thing that I'm sure that um, Beryl Howell did when she had the job, which was, well, if you want his testimony, you're going to have to give him immunity. So we'll see. And we'll see what the reporting is on that. But it just shows you that that the indictment of Donald Trump in Miami for Mar-a-Lago is a comma in the sentence, not a period for Jack Smith. He is not done. Yeah. By the time the primary season rolls around, it's going to be three indictments, four indictments. Maybe the trials aren't set, right, because the feds will take, but he'll have at least two federal indictments. He'll have Fawny Willis's indictment. He'll ha- he already has Alvin Bragg's indictment. He'll be a four-time indicted. So in order to avoid going to jail, he'll have to run the table and and either get his indictments dismissed, not happening, or win four trials back to back to back to back. Let me tell people how almost impossible that is for Donald Trump, okay, to do. I know we're down on a certain you know, procedural events that happened, but the chances of Donald Trump winning, winning, and hanging four juries is almost, you know, getting struck by lightning, lightning four times. So we'll, we're going to have to follow that. But before we do, and before we get to E. Jean Carroll and some great developments for justice and terrible developments, almost on the same day as his arraignment for Donald Trump, we're going to take another word from our sponsor. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF. Cold turkey may be great on sandwiches, but there's a better way to break your bad habits. We're not talking about some weird mind voodoo from your wacky neighbor or some sketchy message board. We're talking about our sponsor, Fume. And they look at the problem in a different way. Not everything in a bad habit is wrong. So instead of a drastic, uncomfortable change, why not just remove the bad from your habit? Fume is an innovative, award-nominated device that does just that. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses all-natural, delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy and makes replacing your bad habit easy. Your fume comes with an adjustable airflow dial and is designed with movable parts and magnets for fidgeting, giving your fingers a lot to do, which helps with de-stressing and managing anxiety while breaking your habit. The first time I used fume, I was shocked at how flavorful and fresh it tasted. It's easy to hold and perfectly balanced, quite honestly, extremely fun to fidget with. The real wood material and sleek design definitely classes it up, and I feel pretty darn cool holding it. Stopping is something we all put off because it's hard. 
But switching to Fume is easy, enjoyable, and even fun. Fume has served over 100,000 customers and has thousands of success stories, and there's no reason that can't be you. Join Fume in accelerating humanity's breakup from destructive habits by picking up the journey pack today. Head to tryfume.com and use code LEGALAF to save 10% off when you get the journey pack today. That's T-R-Y-F-U-M.com. Use code LEGALAF to save 10% off the journey pack today. When it comes to privacy, people tend to focus on things like tracking cookies and browsing history. But protecting your email privacy is even more important because emails contain a lot of personal and sensitive details such as financial and health information or login credentials that you don't want falling into the wrong hands. That's why I use Startmail, the secure email service that keeps your inbox safe. Every day, millions of people unknowingly risk their sensitive information through insecure email communication. Regular emails are like open postcards, accessible to cyber criminals, companies, and even government agencies. Your free email provider has extensive knowledge about you including your purchases, web activity, YouTube searches, reservations, subscriptions, and location history. Gmail, Yahoo, and the other popular services, they scan and analyze the content of your emails to generate targeted ads. They also keep copies of your emails, sometimes for months after you deleted them. This means that any email can be retrieved from your account if needed and shared with third parties, such as government agencies. If you're sick of all this nonsense, then you need to give Startmail a try. Startmail makes it so easy you can enjoy secure email communication without surveillance or ads. Startmail ensures your inbox is protected with advanced security features. Plus, you get 20 gigabytes of email storage, surpassing what free providers like Gmail offer. Startmail has world-class encryption for confidentiality, which allows you to send encrypted emails even if the recipient doesn't use encryption. Your confidential messages stay private. And when you delete an email, it's gone forever. Switching to Startmail is hassle-free, and its easy migration tool allows you to move your emails and contacts from Gmail, Outlook, Yahoo, and other providers with just a few clicks. Our daily lives rely on the internet. Email privacy is crucial to protect personal and sensitive information from unauthorized access. Protecting your information is about safeguarding your rights to free speech and association, not about having something to hide. Sign up today and save 50% on your first subscription year. Go to startmail.com slash legalaf and join tens of thousands of people who trust Startmail for their email security needs. That's Startmail with a T, startmail.com slash legalaf for 50% off. All right, we're back. So this is a great split screen. Donald Trump leaves the courthouse with some prearranged BS where he goes out of his way. And I know Miami, so I know how the map works. He he the the route from the courthouse to the to the airport is almost direct. Instead, he looped around to go out of his way to the other end of the same road that the that the uh, that the airport is on, Eighth uh, Street, to go to Versailles, which is sort of ground zero for the Cuban expatriate community, uh, to celebrate his birthday early. Apparently, his birthday is today, um, uh, and all prearranged and geeked up by his handlers to make sure he walked in to, look, this is a diaspora, Cuban-American, primarily Cuban-American population, but not just Cuban-American and not just Cuban population, but people that come from countries like Venezuela and Cuba and um, and Chile and, and other places 
where for the last five years at least, in a, in a county that was won overwhelmingly twice by Obama, since then, since Hillary forward, the, the Republicans have done a masterful job, evil genius, tip of the hat, to drilling down on these people, primarily through Latin radio and television, to associate Democrats and the Democratic Party with communists, socialists, and Marxists. And I can't think of a bigger trigger word than in that community, in, the, in, that, in that community, than communists, they're all anti-communist, and the Republican Party, even before Trump and certainly with Trump, have pinned the tail on our donkey to argue that we are the party of communists. And he, Trump, is anti-communist. And so they're anti-communist. So here we go. Donald Trump is our savior. That's the math. That is the transitive property equation that, that gets you there. The, the Cuban population in Miami, since the Bay of Pigs, since the, the debacle with, with John F. Kennedy, stopped being Democrat in the 60s and has been Republican reliable ever since. But what had been happening is that newly arrived people from other countries were overwhelmingly Democrat until the Republicans started to associate the Democratic Party, Joe Biden otherwise, Hillary Clinton, with communism. And that's all we saw on full display in Versailles restaurant was an expression of that that happens every day. He knew it. That's why he went there. These are these comfortable little places and rallies and things so that Donald Trump can have a split screen. Instead of having the charcoal sketch of him as a criminal defendant in a courtroom, he can still he can get happy birthday and some prayers, prayer breakfast that broke out at this Cuban restaurant in Miami. So that's that. But at the same time, in real life court, courtroom world, um, you have uh, Judge Kaplan considering a motion for leave to amend the original case of E. Jean Carroll for defamation related to the uh, sexual attack that happened to her inside the uh, Bergdorf Goodman dressing room in, April, in uh, spring of, of 1996. And he made a decision. And Karen, what you learn about that decision? So it was fascinating uh, what happened in that case, because uh, if you recall, after uh, Donald Trump left court, at, um, after he was conv- or he's not convicted, after he there was a judgment, I'm, I'm learning the new uh, civil language here, after there was a judgment against him by a jury in the E. Jean Carroll case, the very next day, he went out and made more defamatory statements against her. And, uh, and Robbie Kaplan, E. Jean Carroll's lawyer moved to amend the complaint in order to be able to add those new statements and add new charges, if you will, against Donald Trump in the in the remaining E. Jean Carroll uh, defamation case. And and yesterday it was allowed. The amended com- complaint was allowed, and the judge granted the motion to amend the complaint and add these statements. So I thought that was great, right? It was a really good um, good ruling for Robbie Kaplan. Uh, but you know, look, there's still some open questions in that case, right? This is the case where uh, where um, it's you know the, there was E. Jean Carroll one and E. Jean Carroll two, and the reason E. Jean Carroll two went 
first was because of this open legal question in E. Jean Carroll one, which is when, when uh, there's something called the Westfall Act, which means that the government puts themselves in the place of the defendant if you're ever being sued civilly uh, when it was in the course of your duties, be, you know, as a as an employee of the of the government, and so that that still that is being considered um, by the court, and that's still an open question. But and they're still fighting over that, and you know, it was interesting because because um, the Department of Justice submitted a motion. Uh, earlier on, you know, to substitute themselves under the Westfall Act um, to substitute themselves in the in in Donald Trump's place because he was president and answering questions uh, of the reporters while he was president. But then the Second Circuit vacated this uh, that ruling and remanded it for pr- further proceedings. But then in Washington, D.C., their Court of Appeals clarified that Washington, D.C.'s respondeat superior law uh, was in such a way, they, they clarified what it was and what it wasn't. And so then DOJ said, given these collective developments, the prior certification and motion to substitute have been overtaken by events. That's the language they used. And that was filed, I think, yesterday as well, that that language. And I'm like, what, do you, what does that mean, overtaken by events? And they didn't clarify that. Uh, and so Robbie Kaplan responded and wrote a letter to the judge um, saying that the Department of Justice makes it clear that they no longer stand by their Westfall certification. But, you know, DOJ wants more time to consider it. Uh, and she opposed that and said they don't need more time or more information because of the party's advanced age, you know, both E. Jean Carroll and Trump. But I thought that was a, a slight veiled dig at Trump, you know, that because he goes on and on about how, you know, how Joe Biden is an advanced age. Um, but I think she was, I, I, know, I don't know if you read it that way, but that's how I read it and basically said any delay will make it so that this case never happens because Donald Trump is running for president. Now, do you see a theme here, right? Basically, Donald Trump, his his best defense to everything is no trial because so far he loses everything, right? The Trump organization lost in the 17 count, you know, case before, before Alvin Bragg's office, you know, he wasn't a defendant, but it was his organization conviction. E. Jean Carroll, you know, a jury uh, hears the case about sexual abuse and defamation, judgment or conviction. You know, he doesn't want a trial. These are strong cases, all of them. So I don't think you know, his whole, I don't think he wants any of these cases to go. He doesn't want Alvin Bragg's new case, the Stormy Daniels case to go to trial. He doesn't want Letitia James civil case to go to trial. He doesn't want the Mar-a-Lago case to go to trial and the documents case that was just brought. And he certainly isn't going to want the January 6th case uh, to go to trial or the Fonnie Willis case to go to trial. So what he and his lawyers are going to do in all of those cases, including uh, the E. Jean Carroll case, is they're going to try and, and and delay, 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 so that it gets too close to the general election and hope that he either gets elected or that a Republican gets elected. And then he, you know, they, they, these cases are no longer, um, that something happens to them. But he doesn't want any of these cases to go to trial, including this E. Jean Carroll case, because as you've pointed out many times, Popak, you know, the, the fact is, of the matter is the law of the case here, because the jury already decided that he sexually abused E. 
Jean Carroll. It's just about the def defamatory statements, right? And that's the only question uh, and damages that they that they need to decide. So he doesn't want a trial. He never wants a trial mm -hmm. because he's hoping it never happens. That's my opinion about all these cases. Well, the good news is it doesn't really matter what he wants. Um, he's going to go to trial in all of the cases that we just identified one way or the other. It's only about timing. As I've said frequently in the past, when bad things are happening to you, try to make them go as slow as possible. And it doesn't mean that the federal government and the federal, uh, ultimately the federal judiciary is going to comply with that. I don't believe that they will. We have plenty of time between now and, and I mean, we're, we're far way off from even the primaries, let alone the election, let alone the inauguration, let alone him winning. So there's two, for me, there's two immutable facts. I, well, three. I want Donald Trump to be the candidate for the Republicans because there is no way on God's green earth he's going to win the general election. He did it once against a relatively weak candidate in because of her own baggage in Hillary Clinton. He was not able to do it again, and he lost by a lot, not by a little, in the next go around. And I don't think he's manufactured any new voters. Uh, he, he, he activates, stimulates, and foments the existing base. Yes, and they come out. Well, they didn't really come out in droves. There were like 500 people that showed up, even in Miami, which is his biggest stronghold. There were more people in the Versailles bakery than there were on the street of Miami. So for those that thought, oh, it's going to, even I said, I think this could be overrun. No, that didn't happen. And it didn't happen in New York. And he's, and he's got five, per, he's got 95% less people following him on his truth social than he ever did on Twitter. He's not as popular. You know, the split screens and these, these rallies, these fake rallies with these, you know, little white folding chairs and bunting, flag bunting. He's going to lose if he, you know, Woe be the Republicans if they nominate him, which looks like they're hell-bent on doing, because the bridge is out, and he's going to lose the general election. So the trials are going to happen. He may be 80 years old when they happen. Yes, if he loses, you're 100% right. There will be lots. Even if he and wins. <laughs> even if he wins. The some of those trials will have happened already. Well, I hope you're right. Yeah, I yeah. hope you're right. I, mean, I hope, you, you, I hope uh, to God you're right. Yeah. I mean, and to your point, um, the... Um, He's trying to move the case from Alvin Bragg's case on the 34 count indictment from state court to federal court. That might be a good. We might maybe the maybe the federal government says, you know what? It's, we don't, it's not like we're in love with the judge. I mean, they, yeah, sure they like Mershon, who doesn't? But they could take a federal judge. They'll take Hellerstein, and maybe that'll put it on a faster track. Totally. So then you've totally. then you've got right. Then you got faster. New York hush money case. You've great. got right. Maybe look, Jack Smith and his team, like you used to do as a prosecutor, and like I've done, they have to do a little bit of regrouping now from what happened in the courtroom, representations that were made. You, I mean, when I say you, I don't mean you. People don't think that that Jack Smith saw that Donald Trump's lawyers, without his own lawyer present, talked to Walt Nauta, and that's not registering in his mind about a witness problem. Um, lawyers that are being paid by Save America PAC, Donald Trump's PAC. So these are all things that now, to, to develop an effective counterpunch, the prosecutors have to now react to. Maybe the strategy is, fine, you want Judge Hellerstein? Let's go federal. It's faster for us anyway. We'll have two federals. There's going to be a third federal because we're going to get the second indictment. And maybe the ones that take the back seat is Phony Willis because she's got her, her, but only not on the indictment. It's not going to stop her from getting the indictment from the ultimate trial. 
And so maybe there's only one or two trials that happens before the election or before primary season. That's okay. I could take it. Um, Jack Smith, um, one of the reasons I think he waited so long to um, develop all of that evidence is that just like you and you were a prosecutor, he, he's not trying to win you know, uh, a playoff game. He's not just trying to get the indictment. He wants to win the championship. And he, until he was ready to have all of his evidence ready so that he could move as quickly as possible to a trial. Look, he know, he's got a watch. He knows, he's got a calendar. He knows how far away things are. So I think when they get in front of the next time, the, well, like you said, a control date when they're back in court and they're talking about scheduling, I think we're going to see a Jack Smith saying, we're ready. We're ready for December. We're ready for November, but we're ready. And they're going to argue, no, a year and a half. And, and, and this judge is going to split down the middle in first quarter of 2024. We're going to see a Miami trial. That's what I think is going to happen. But that's what makes this show great entertainment. We don't quite know yet. We don't know. Exactly. <laughs> we, we have no idea what's going to happen and you know how, whether or not that will be successful and whether or not Eileen Cannon will push this or she'll allow... Donald Trump to make these motions and delay and respond. And, you know, so we'll see. But as you as you're pointing out, there's lots of opportunities for all the trials to go. Right. Even if she yeah. even if she does mischief with this particular case, the other judges in the other cases could push those. And hopefully, hopefully at least one will happen. before. Uh, I'm going to share a champagne toast with you if Hellerstein ends up being the judge, either because he rules on on the statute that he has the a power to adjudicate the case in federal court, the New York State uh, Stormy Daniels case, or otherwise, you and I will have a champagne toast because that would be, that they may lay down for that one, the federal you, government, the more, well, do you the remember, more I think about it. Remember, we talked about it. And, yeah. and, and you, had your, you had your opinion about it. Yeah. Strong opinion I, that, yeah. That I said, there's it's there's possible. My opinion yeah. is, I don't think it's as much of a. Everyone's like, no way, no way, no way. I said, I don't, you know, hold on. There, there is an argument here, but I also said, and I still believe this, that why fight it, right? Don't right. fight it. Like it would be great to have this in federal. That's what in, I think. Front of a they pulled judge. a good judge. They pulled they Hellerstein. They pulled a great judge. Like who, you know, who, who's been involved with other cases involving Trump and Cohen, and yeah. is a Democratic appointee and a senior right. judge. That's no nonsense. Why not? Right. He, he 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 sounds like he's the federal equivalent of Judge Mershon anyway. Exactly. So let let's go into the faster rocket docket of the federal courthouse. Exactly. And now there's new reporting. I mean, I did a hot take on this because I know most of the federal defense bench down in Miami. Um, that, you know, he was doing this, you know, come meet me at, at, um, at Doral Country Club, his other golf course, uh, and let me interview some people. I, got, I know these Miami lawyers. Most of them took that meeting because they wanted to, to brag for their own brand that they were considered and they turned down Donald Trump. That's one. Secondly, um, because they know of his history of screwing his lawyers and not paying them and the tremendous premium you have to build into whatever money you get from Donald Trump that your client is going to lie to you, is going to involve you in a crime or fraud, you have to get more money up front. And apparently some of them, even though they, they would do it, because, you know, again, I, I, I want to make this clear. Everyone, everyone, even Donald Trump, is entitled to a defense in our justice system. Otherwise, frankly, it doesn't work and we are a banana republic. I don't want that. I want a I want a, a robust and muscular adversarial process with the federal government, which has tremendous resources at its disposal, tremendous resources. There's always 
information asymmetry between the federal government and a defendant, even one as powerful in principle as a former president like Donald Trump. But, and, and he needs a lawyer. Of course, I'm taking special delight that they're turning him down. But ultimately, he's entitled to a lawyer. And if, if a lawyer who is competent, like Blanche, like Susan Necklace, like some of these other ones, decide that under their concept of justice, this person deserves a defense and they're going to step in for it. I don't fault them for that. Be careful. You might get your law license pulled as a result. And so these the reporting now is that either because they don't really want to do it unless they're paid a, a gobsmacking sum of money, they're putting up retainer demands to Donald Trump. Like, sure, we'll do it. We want, like Kais. Look, Kais got $3 million up front from the Save America PAC before he would even, one, leave his law firm. He quit his law firm, as did Todd Blanche. Both Kais and Blanche quit their law firms. They were with nationally well-known law firms. One was that one I was at, Foley and Lardner, based in Milwaukee, and he was in the Tallahassee office, Chris Geis. He quit it to take one client and open up a shop, a small shop in Miami, just for Donald Trump. And Todd Blanche did the exact same thing. He left a major firm to go represent Donald Trump. But the rest of them want their money up front. Like, here's the budget for an entire trial for you, Donald Trump. We think that's $15 million, and we want half of it up front. I'm sure it, those are the numbers that are being thrown around. Yeah, but the but I guess I guess you're you're I'm sure you're right about this, but uh, but I I feel like one major concern for the lawyers isn't the money because the the PACs are paying for it, right? The money's there. I thought the issue is you know what you always say, which is you know MAGA stands for Make Attorneys Get Attorneys. I mean, you you like look what happens as soon as as soon as you work for him, he has you he asks he wants you to commit crimes for him. He wants you to you know go out there and do frivolous motions. I mean, every one every one of his lawyers, if you do what he wants you to do, you get sanctioned by the court. Or I guarantee in January 6th, you know, his co-defendants, some of them are going to be his prior lawyers, right? You yeah. got Evan Corcoran in there he, taking these detailed notes because he knows he's being used and he <laughs> wants to protect himself, right? Yeah. I mean, who takes notes like that with a, Nobody. With a client? Nobody, right. Nobody. <laughs> so I, I, I wonder whether part of it is the money or part of it is, is you know, I don't want to put myself in harm's, you know, he's, he doesn't want my advice, right? He doesn't want anyone's real advice. He wants to use you as a tool to do what he wants and do his bidding, which gets you into, you know, into very serious trouble as an attorney. Like who would, I I just don't know anyone who would put themselves and their, their reputation and their, their, you know, their practice at risk like that. Who, Who, for those that don't bring in clients the way Karen and I do, what you have to evaluate, especially a criminal defense client, is you have to tell them that there's nothing, nothing that will interfere with my exercise of my independent professional judgment on your behalf. And if I ever find that that's being compromised, you're not listening to me. You're lying to me. You're, you're making me participate in things that are inappropriate. Then you have to quit your client. Evan Corcoran wanted it both ways. He wanted his CYA so he kept 50 pages of detailed notes. Good on him for the prosecution. But I, I would have left the case if I had thought that I had to keep If I thought I had to keep 50 pages of surveillance notes, surveillance notes on my own client, I would have already left the case. But it's not unusual in the world of white collar criminal defense or any kind of criminal defense with a lot of money at stake to get all your money up front. It's just the nature of the business. So I've been involved with cases where 
you know, there's a there's a trial. It's a year away. It's complicated. There's going to be five people on the case. And we took a retainer that was equal to what we projected would be all the way through trial. Because a lot of times criminal defendants, especially if they lose, and they often do. I mean, there's a reason most, 95% or more, listen to that statistic, 95% or more of federally indicted criminals do not take their case to trial because when they do, they lose. That's why there's just so much pressure on them to plead. Yes, there's the occasional case. There's a lost trial here and somebody won over here and some uh, conviction got reversed by an appellate court. But by and large, in that funnel, most case, 90, 90% plus will end up at trial. You will lose. And so you know, when people lose, they don't want to pay their lawyer. So you get all the money up front. So that that's also the rock and a hard place that Donald Trump is in the middle of, which is he's a he's a he's a confirmed, convicted deadbeat, deadbeat, not paying his lawyers, and the premium you have to build in that he's gonna to lie to you and get you in trouble as a lawyer, and you want all your money up front. And so, and he does. Even though they got pack money, I don't know. You know, he he's the he's the consummate art of the deal, trying to negotiate, like because because he'll fall back on Kais. He'll fall back on Kais. They're not going to find a lawyer, for instance. I think this ends up just to wrap up something we talked about earlier. I think this ends up at uh, in Miami because they they'll have security concerns in West Palm Beach and in Fort Pierce. So I think this will they did a trial run here yesterday or the day before. This will be in Miami. She'll have to schlep down from wherever she's at. And she does often. She has a chambers in Miami. She's got a magistrate in Miami, Judge Cannon. So once that happens, I don't know if she knows many of the lawyers down in South Florida. She was an appellate lawyer for the US Attorney's Office up in North Florida. I don't think she knows. I don't think it's going to change move the needle because somebody with a reputation, a good reputation in Miami decides to take the case. Kais is as good as anybody. He was solicitor general for the state of Florida. He's argued at the US Supreme Court. He's not an idiot. And Todd Blanche is either. Todd Blanche is a good lawyer. So the two of them can handle this case. I don't think they need to go more interviewing of more people. But listen, you know, we're going to see. But um, so, Karen, we've reached the end of another edition, midweek edition of Legal AF, where we go over those politically charged litigation matters at that intersection of law and politics from, from a perspective of two practicing defense lawyers, and one of which is a former federal prosecutor. I mean, I said on a hot take recently that the, only on the Midas Touch Network do you have this combination of legal analysts. You got Ben Mysalis, the co-founder of Midas Touch itself, and a civil rights, extraordinary civil rights lawyer in his own right. And for all things Florida, I practiced Florida, Miami, and, and, and in Florida for over 20 years, including in the Southern District of Florida as a trial lawyer in front of courtrooms and courthouses just like this one. And then for everything related to Manhattan and New York, you've got, and anything prosecutorial, you've got Karen Friedman Ignifilo former number two who ran the office for the Manhattan DA's office. So, um, you know, I think I think that is where uh, you want to be to get honest, fair, factual analysis um, and all that. Karen, you still with us? Hi. Hello. All right. I, I, like, I like giving you the last word. I know we're, we're on a little bit of a time crunch today. So let me give you a quick last word to wrap up for today. Yeah, well, this is a historic moment, right? In time, we had a, an arraignment of, you know, a federal arraignment of uh, the first president of, of the United States. And I'm just, there's no one I'd rather 
be here with this historic moment than than you, Popak. So breaking it all down and and you know really going over the ins and outs and and certainly nobody knows Florida like you. So the fact that this is happening in Florida and and that we have you to do the reveal codes and tell us who the lawyers are and the judges are and the, what the courtrooms are and tell us all the little details you know that that I can do for the Manhattan DA's office because that's where I worked. You can do it in in Florida. So so this is just incredible that that you're able to to provide this for all the all the legal afers out there if we could if, if we could if i could put together a dream team in a laboratory to do this for the midas mighty and the legal afers this would be the dream team it's always a pleasure it's, it's my highlight of my midweek and saturdays with ben shout out to the midas mighty and the legal afers we'll see you saturday with ben myself and next wednesday right here again on the midas touch network legal af <laughs>